Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Uh, this is a new series of conversations that we'll be having on relevant issues for the Muslim community. Uh, I'm Muhammad Salim, uh, the editor in chief of Iman Wire. I'm joined today by uh, the co founder of Al Medina Institute, Maltasim Atiyah. Assalamu alaikum, brother Maltasim. Alaikum salam, rahmatullah salim. How are so, you? So good, alhamdulillah. So, uh, you know, before I begin, actually, since this is the first episode of our podcast, uh, uh, do you remember the the show Nightline on ABC? Okay, yeah, I do. Yeah, I yeah. Do. So do you know how it started? No, I don't. It started because in 1980 during the Iran hostage crisis, ABC said, "Well, we want to have something late at night to update people on the the hostages." So it started basically just to inform the public based on this like tremendous event. So they started this each night, and what happened was because of that, it just became a recurring. Uh, you know, just a series for years, and I don't know if it's still on the air, is it? But it, it just continued. It just continued on, and it was based, it started because out of this national crisis. So it's sort of apropos that we're starting this first, you know, emergency episode of the Iman Wire <laughs> podcast today because it's, uh, as people are calling it, 11-9, like a, the opposite of a 9-11 because uh, Trump's been elected. Yeah, it's also very gloomy outside and rainy. And yeah, I, I know. You know, I woke up this morning <laughs> and, you know, I sort of understand how that, that other crowd feels because when I woke up this morning, you know, I was tired. It was raining. I was driving to work. There was lots of traffic, more than usual. And then I had a headache all day and I was like, man, this yeah. is Trump, man, Trump. I'm just going to blame everything <laughs> on Trump and it just makes me feel so good. You know, I can understand why they were blaming, you know, uh, Obama for everything because it just helps sometimes to put your blame on other people. But in all seriousness, you know, this is obviously a day which there's a lot of feelings of despair, right. feelings of anxiety. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot of things uh, that both Muslims and non-Muslims are posting on social media. Um, some very alarming, you know. Yeah. Um, it almost feels like the day after 9-11 in a way, which seems ridiculous in a sense because 9-11 was a just terrible event right. where people died. I mean, nobody died. This is just an election for the presidency. That's true. But I mean, you know, over the past year, we've heard Trump talk about, you know, shooting Muslims with bullets dipped in pig blood. We've heard him, you know, talk about surveillance of mosques, having Muslims wear ID cards. I mean, so, you know, it's it's traumatizing to constantly hear that. And, you know, Salim, you and I, we had already gone through uh, high school and college by the time 9-11 had happened. But there's this whole other generation that I've been interacting with that's in college now that were probably around 11 years old when 9-11 happened. And there are some that were even younger. So they've grown up in this era where they're just constantly being attacked, constantly told they're not you know, part of this country, constantly told they're not good enough. So, you know, it, it's a culmination. It's a climax uh, for some people, I feel. Yeah, no, um, no, you're right. I mean, it was, a, it was a different time back then. And, you know, I got to say this, uh, you know, it was a long night last night. I woke up this morning and for some reason today, I mean, you know, uh, I f finished Fudger and I was just sitting there just, just thinking. And my daughter, you know, came through our bedroom door. It was very early for her. And she just came and sat on my lap, you know, and it was... It was almost a surreal event for me because it was like, subhanAllah, there is Rahmah, yeah. you know? It was like she came at this moment, you know, all of us are worried about our kids, and rightfully so, but in a way, I think today, uh, we as parents and, and uh, you know, other, other responsible adults, we're the ones that are really worried today, and just, you know... But just one thing I want to say, I mean, look, you know, everyone's focusing on the negative. I mean, there's a large portion of the American electorate that completely rejected the tone and the comments of... 
Trump, what he was saying. I mean, Americans are good people. You, you see that. You, you've interact with wonderful people. I mean, when my wife and I go shopping, there are people that will go out of their way. I can clearly see to help us and make us feel comfortable because she's wearing her hijab or I have something in my head. And, and you know, they'll, they'll open up conversation. So, but as we're getting into this, there's a couple of things I just want to say. You know, because you can address this topic from many different angles. And very often as Muslims, we sort of silo ourselves and we only see what we're going through. But this is not a traumatic experience just for Muslims. It was a traumatic experience for Latinos. Uh, comments that he's made about women, the African-American community. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no one that has gone unscathed from what you know Trump has put forth to them. And I think as Muslims, we just need to realize this. It's not just about us. The world doesn't revolve around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's one thing I, you know, I, I want to say to the Muslim community in general, and one thing I keep reminding myself of too, but I've taken so many phone calls, it's really interesting over the past year, of people that are really wonderful people, good-hearted people, uh, you know, they, they try to educate themselves, uh, you know, in terms of their religious knowledge, they're, they're in the working class out there. And every time an event has happened, whether it was the Orlando shooting, or the the bombings that happened in Medina and Munawara, and now the the Trump uh, victory, they've called me up in this sort of frantic, depressive rage, as if the world is crumbling. And so I, I asked them all a question. I said, you know, I have to ask you something. And I said, be very honest with me when you give me this response. I said, outside of your daily prayers, how much time do you sit daily? specifically just for the remembrance of God, where your phone's not with you, you're just there making dhikr, just saying la ilaha illallah, or reading the Quran, or sending prayers upon the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, or asking God's forgiveness. And I said, is it 15 minutes? Do you do that 15 minutes consistently a day? And resoundingly, the answer was no. Then I always go to 10 minutes. I said, do you do it 10 minutes a day? The answer is no. And I said, do you do it five minutes a day? And the answer very often, Slim, is no, I don't. So, you know, the human heart would be unhinged if we don't anchor it to God. And the only way that we can anchor that heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through his remembrance. And I can't stress this enough. If we are not constantly giving time for Allah through his remembrance on a daily basis, then as soon as the wind blows with a new issue and there's constantly a new issue happening, then we're always going to be nervous. We're always going to go into this anxiety, this depression. So, you know, I think this is an opportunity this past year, past two years, past 10 years for the Muslim community of America to realize we have some spiritual growing up to do. Uh, and that requires anchoring ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his remembrance. That's the first thing I wanted to just to put out there before we continue this conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, and that's actually, you know, uh, being held hostage, if you will, by the 24-hour news cycle that we've just become so accustomed stop to. Stop listening. Stop. I mean, yeah, you can turn it off. Turn it yeah, off. You can turn it off. You, can, does, you know, I think we all need what a break. What happened after 9-11, right? We were all glued to our TVs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we just entered into this realm of, like, complete depression. And then what happens when you turned it off for a while and you walked away? You found life. You found that this sort of expansion started to happen, that, okay, you know, I'm not constantly being fed or seeing these terrible images. Like, right now, if you're, if you're still watching CNN, Fox News, uh, NPR, you're reliving last night mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> every minute. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is what I was alluding to before when I was talking about this morning when I woke up. 
you know, it's almost when my when my when my daughter came to me, it was just sort of like woke me up a little bit. Right. And you know, we're just gonna go go ahead with our lives. Like you know, this election is over. It's we over. just need to move on with our lives, and we need to you know act accordingly. Um, I'll tell you I, this, Donald Trump. I feel for the Muslim community of America, he actually did a lot of good. And uh, you know, yeah, you're right in the sense that. Um, it, this is definitely a wake-up call for the Muslim community and for people. a lot of other communities. Um, there may be a lot of good that comes out. I saw, um, I, I think it was uh, um, um, Hassan Shibli, I think, from okay. CARE. I think he he mentioned something yesterday that a, a Clinton presidency where we're all asleep, um, you know, a Trump presidency where we're actually galvanized and we're awake, that, that's actually better. You know, and so, that's, that's, you know, there's, there's a wisdom in here. Obviously, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is giving us this situation for a reason. And... I think, as also you alluded to earlier, we have to need to have some perspective as well. I yeah. mean, the the sky is not falling down. It's yeah. it's a. Uh, you don't uh, live in uh, Syria, absolutely. where the bombs are dropping on your head. You're not living under an oppressive Israeli uh, regime in which uh, they're coming and they're rounding up your nine year old child and taking him to jail for no reason, and you don't know where he is. That's not happening here in this country, and you have a large population of this country. That is standing up for the Muslim. I mean, look at Van Jones. I mean, this man, this is an amazing yeah, he man. He needs to run for president. <laughs> he needs, 2020, Van Jones. First thing CNN needs to do is give this man his own show. I mean, the man is really amazing. And he, right front and center, brings the issues of the Muslims community of America to, to TV and, and to everyone's hearts and ears. So it's the sky is still there. We're still alive. We still have a law. We still have the love of the messenger of God. And like... A lot of things that we know from our history, we even know from the, the seer of the Prophet Wasallam, we don't know what's going to happen. Yep. I mean, I have hope, and I'm going to echo what Hillary Clinton said today in her concession speech that, you know, we have to have an open mind about Donald Trump. Is it okay to be pessimistic about him? Absolutely, sure. based on his record, based on his, you know, his, what we know of his character. But we do have to have, have an open mind. At the same time, we also have to be cautious, and we have to be uh, you know, ready to to act um, and to respond to anything that's that's going to be problematic coming from him or his administration. Or, but again, it's it's about keeping that perspective. Yeah. I think that's that's really important here. Um, and and listen, you know, for a lot of Muslims um, here, some of us are, are going through very difficult times. Right. You know, there's there's people who even last night or in before walking the streets and they're getting called out. Particularly, uh, you know, Muslim women in hijab, right. they're being you know. These cowards basically saying remarks to them, and and that's going to be these these people are going to be emboldened by that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, for uh, we're also in a very good position, you know. For a lot of us, uh, we have um, a lot of comfort living here. But on the other hand, there's a lot of us who are in uh, a lot of other communities who are having a lot difficult time, you know. Yeah. So I look at this as an opportunity. I look at this as uh, not just as a, as a wake up call, but this is the time for us as Muslims and as as broader Americans that we need to start not focusing only on the presidential election, but just start working on our own house. Right. So forget about the presidential election right now. Forget about what's going on in Washington. We need to start working right now in our towns. And I'm going to tell you an example. I voted this election. Um. And I voted for presidential election, Senate, House of Representatives. Okay. But these, these smaller, right. um, there's a few positions that were up for ballot. And I had to abstain. Why did I have to abstain? Because I wasn't informed right. about my local politics on, on a very, like, the village, town level. Right. And that, that needs to change. Right. That is something that we need to, to come together and change because that's where I feel there's a, there's a sense of empowerment. We feel very, uh, we, we feel 
disempowered, you know, because of what's happened in the election, no doubt about it. But the the response needs to be that number one, of course, and always is calling on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because there's nothing more empowering than dua. Absolutely. Right? And then at the same time putting our trust and turning our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and also working and getting involved locally. Right. Yeah, you know, Salim, it's interesting that some of the points you're bringing up, and I look back at it, like our parents' generation, they had the tough time of establishing the mosques in this religion. And so, you know, our generation sort of came in and we benefited from every all the hard work that they did. And for a while, you know, we felt like there was nothing for us to do. Like, okay, the mosques are there and whatnot. But then all of a sudden, our whole religion, our whole existence in this country is being challenged. So now I think it's for us to carry the burden and the opportunity of showing how Muslims are part of the fabric of this country. And in doing so, you bring up a really good point. Everyone is consumed with their national elections. Well, how about the local stuff? You don't know. Your voice can be heard here. And, uh, you know, that that opportunity is there, and it's an opportunity that we all have to take. But look, the world's not ending. Just keep doing what you're doing. Have hopes in Allah. Make dua to Allah. And just move forward. You know, uh, one of the things I think that a lot of people are having difficulty with today and, and um, in the coming days has been, well, what do we tell our kids? Right. Um, and Van Jones very eloquently said last night, you know, you know, we tell our kids that, you know, don't be a bigot. Don't be, uh, be prepared. Um, uh, and, you know, how do, we, how do we tell them now? And what I fear is that we as Muslims will retreat back into our insular enclaves, especially when it relates to our children. Because there's there's a natural tendency with our children that we want to insulate them from whatever's going on, the Islamophobia or racism, and we think that somehow we can protect them from that. And I think we need to challenge this idea because, listen, I mean, at the time of the Prophet when they were in Mecca, there were kids there. And was it ideal for them in their development to see some of the things that horrible things that were going on, no, but that was that was the position they were in. Right. I was thinking of the Prophet ﷺ when he was just being ridiculed and and mocked by uh, by the Quraysh in Mecca, and even to the point where they would throw you know garbage and and entrails on him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And I think of that story of Fatima, you right. know, yeah. Sayyidah yeah. Fatima. She went and and she saw that. Yeah. But she she cleaned she she removed right. it from the Prophet Sallallahu's back. You know uh, stories about her that she she would stand up to them. Yes, how long? So I mean, what I'm trying to say here is that kids are resilient. Absolutely. And we we have to take off take the gloves off with them, and they have to realize that yes, we're living in a difficult time. Yes, um, there's racists. Right. Yes, there's people who hate you because of religion. But we have to we have to um, prepare them right. to be able to stand up, stand up for their who they are, Absolutely. proudly be unapologetically Muslim, which Absolutely. is one of the good things I've seen a lot of people posting today. Stand up, be proud of who they are, and be able to respond. Absolutely. Because as long as we think, oh, we're going to put them in Islamic school and not interact with anybody, that's going to have the negative, the opposite. You know, Slim, about a year ago, my eldest son, Muhammad, one day I found him like in bed, his head stuffed into his pillow, and he was crying. And I was like, what happened? Did you get into a fight with your, <laughs> your younger brother? And then he looks at me, he goes, no, why does... Uh, why does Trump want to get rid of all the Muslims from, from this country? And, you know, at that point I realized, oh, my God, he's hearing some of the rhetoric, whether it's from the radio I have on or from other sources. And, uh, you know, this morning, uh, of course, they went to bed late last night, uh, but they didn't see the uh, results. And he came to me this morning. He said, Baba, who won? 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was very difficult for me to answer that question initially. I told him, come back, I'll answer you later. Because it's what you said. I wanted to shield him from being brokenhearted. And then also, you know, Van Jones so beautifully put it last night as well in, in his eloquent speech. So it was really troubling this me, me this morning. Like, how do I give him this news? So then I just called him back into the room. I said, Muhammad, come here. He came in. I said, Muhammad, Trump won the election. And then he looks at me, he goes, oh, okay. so it was this big burden that i had you know inside of me yeah you know they're resilient they'll they'll, they'll keep going and i told my and i I keep one thing i try to do at home and i'm sure you do too slim is i try to tell my my family and my children look there are people that have beautiful hearts and there are people whose hearts need some work our goal is that we have beautiful hearts why so we can balance the world from those whose hearts need a lot of work and that's it. You go out there. I always tell them, never be afraid of anyone. Never be afraid of any human being. You're only afraid and in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're a Muslim, proud to be who you are. When I go out with him, I show him that, that I'm proud to be who I am. And they learn from what they see. What have you been seeing that's been concerning you in terms of some of the Muslim responses that you've seen today? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is an interesting question. I think, uh, you know... I think some of our, our Muslim leaders, mashallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has very, uh, he's endowed them with this level of activism, of wanting to get out there and, and change the world. And, and that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. And the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa alayhi was always in some sort of activity. But I just, one thing I would say is that the activism needs to be balanced with a spiritual message as well. You know, um, you know, if we're if we're sending these safety precaution messages to everyone about what to do in times of heightened security, and there's no remembrance of God there, or there's no indication, hey, say this prayer that the Prophet used to say, that's imbalanced. So I would just say that I think there just needs to be more of a spiritual balance that's put into our dialogue, always turning people to trust in God, and then take these other means that are all available to us. Um, you know, specifically some responses I've seen is that uh, there's been some comments made out there about now we should work with Donald Trump to uh, actively eradicate extremism. My mm-hmm. response to that is if you're talking about right-wing Republican extremism, then I agree with you. But if you're trying to say that uh, the Muslim community of America is extremist, then uh, I'm sorry. I completely disagree with right. you. Yeah. Um, also, I have an issue with uh, Muslim scholars who are not living here in America uh, or have been outside of America for a very long time commenting on our political situation as if they're the authorities on it. Uh, I think everyone needs to be aware of where they live and what uh, peculiar situations they're going through and let us deal with ours. I mean, we have our scholarship here. Yeah, I think I think that's an important point even for us, even within our country here, because right. I don't know what's going on in rural Alabama right. or Mississippi. There's some Muslims there. Right. Um, I don't know what's going on for a lot of other disaffected populations. Right. Um, that's why, again, I think we need to really stress the local, that local community. And first of all, our families, obviously, but in our local masajid, our local, you know, and and uh, I think this is where, you know, we've seen this movement, for example, of third spacing and people going outside of the mosques for various reasons. But this is this is one of the reasons why we need that that all-encompassing community presence in the, in the mosque or right. our community centers because we need, that needs to be the, the anchor point of where mm-hmm. we're going to reach out. And this is a point where now I think we understand, um, if we didn't understand before, that we can't sit on the silence anymore. Mm-hmm. 
we can't just be looking out for our own selfish interests. Absolutely. Um, we have to be out there. We can't be sitting in silence about, say, uh, police brutality, um, about Standing Rock. We can't be on, on the silence for a lot of these issues that are um, affecting you know, our brothers and sisters, whether they're Muslim, whether they're just our brothers and sisters in humanity. Um, and I think the thing is that we don't wish any harm on anybody. Right. And... I, for example, you know, I sometimes will generalize and say like white America, you know, and this is this is this is on white America what happened last night. Um, and it is it is to, to a large part. But let's not discount that not everybody who voted for Trump was a racist or a misogynist or um, an Islamophobe. Um, there's a lot of resentment there. And, and we would be silly not to understand what the reasons for that resentment are. Now, some of them I, we may not necessarily agree with, but you always have to understand um, where someone is coming from and their experience. The, the minute you just say to them that, oh, well, you're a racist and um, you know you, you, there's no hope for you, you're not going to be able to have any type of conversation or be able to engage that person. And listen, a lot of those people, they're not going to change. We know right. that. Right. That's just the reality of life. It's from the, the times of the prophets right. until, until now. Right. But I think we, we can't oversimplify the issue that it's just racism, uh, but we also can't um, go on the other side either and just say, oh, this was just about... Um, you know, a bad candidate on the Democratic right. side. There's there was a lot of issues that at play here, but we have to be um, sort of have a nuance in how we understand and how we approach what's going going forward. I mean, look, we've seen some shifts in Europe, and we're seeing some shifts here, and there's going to be a tug of war, and we we're just going to have to deal with that tug of war. But you're right; you can't just paint everyone with a, with a broad brush. And, you know, you have to be very, very careful about that. And just one thing I want to add about a comment you made about standing up for other communities. I was at a restaurant once, and there was this very kind lady who was serving us. And just, you know, she had an accent, and we were talking. And I asked her, I said, you know, so where are you from? And her first response to me was, I'm an American citizen. Mm, yeah. And I was just, I was floored by that. And I understood the fear that she had. She was Latino, Right. So she's saying that to me because she herself is living sort of in this time of fear. And we always think it's just us as Muslims. And I told her, no, 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 that's not why I'm asking you. I'm asking you for other reasons. And we went on to have a very beautiful conversation. And every time I go to that particular restaurant, you know, my family sees her. And we, we always engage with her. And it's always very wonderful. So, yeah, we, we do have to stand up for other communities. But also what we need to do, and the onus is on a lot of Muslims, is not siloing ourselves to, that, to the extent that we seem like we are just the other. I mean, you know, even at work, our workplace. I mean, we have people that are of different faith-based traditions, uh, different ethnicities. How often do we get to know each other? How often do we speak to them? How often do they feel comfortable enough to actually talk to us about our religion? I mean, I have this policy with my coworkers that you can ask me anything, anything about my religion, and they open the door and they, they ask a lot of really interesting questions. One thing I've noticed is that People who are not Muslim have a very uh, basic understanding of what our religion is. They're, they're just going off what they see on the news. And until they have someone that they can interact with who can actually change that perception, it's going to continue that way. So we have to be at the forefront, Salim. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think it would be remiss to, to maybe uh, amend what I said earlier in the sense that when I say standing up for other communities, I think we need to... Um, actually get out of the mindset that there's this community and there's this community, there's another community. For example, say African-Americans, you right. know, there's, 
30-40% of Muslim in America are African American. Right. So there's intersectionality there. Right. There's intersectionality with Latinos, intersectionality with white Americans. Absolutely. We're one community. Yep. Um, it's just a matter of that we need to stand up for the truth. We need to stand up for justice. We need to stand up for the rights of others, whoever they may be, from whatever background they are. Um, that That's our mandate as Muslims. Right. That's our mandate from the Quran. Right. We want to make that clear that this is not you know one community towards the other. Um, and, I, and I'm saying this because this is... Um, Look, politics is politics, and whatever happens in the next four years with the uh, Trump administration, it's very highly likelihood that most of the promises that he's made to um, the disaffected or f the, those who feel disaffected amongst the white white America, who you know are um, not necessarily some of them maybe not for racial reasons, but just simply because they don't have a job or their right. their industries are you know going down the tubes in their rural towns, he's probably not going to be able to deliver. On um the, on on those promises, just like a lot of other candidates have, a politician not delivering. Oh, oh that, yeah, that, I know, I know, hard to believe, right? <laughs> but you know what's going to happen is that in the next four years, most likely, if they're you know politically, this is history bears us out, they will again continue pitting us against one another, course, and that's yeah. where we need to be prepared for that approach. But and we also have to find a way to break that. And I think what you said is really important. That is that interpersonal relationship, whether it's our neighbors, those who we work with. Uh, studies, I think, show that if you know a Muslim or if you know anyone from another group, you have a different viewpoint of who they Absolutely, are and, yeah. and what they stand for. Yeah. Um, and that's where we, again, where we need to just get out there. We can't be, we can't be insular anymore. If we, if we are, uh, that needs to stop. And this is the wake up. Call and I'll that. tell you, that's in particular for the working professionals that are out there. You know, before this concept of you know um, da'wah used to be that, you know, it has to have been the, the religious individual who's gone overseas and studied all this knowledge, and then they're, they're the ones sort of preaching religion to everyone. It's completely shifted. Dawah, the focus of Dawah now is in the workplace. And I don't mean Dawah in the sense that I'm calling you to my religion mm -hmm. by telling you, hey, you need to believe in one God and Muhammad is his prophet, No, the way that Dawah was in the past was that you would have these merchants who were just Muslims practicing their religion with their beautiful character, and they made an impact where they went, just by the, by the, by the being of who they were. And so I think that the Muslim community of America, and this always, to me, goes back to those spiritual practices we talk about. If I continue to beautify myself spiritually, if I take on all the faults that I have inside my heart, which will then help me be able to interact with the world in this really beautiful way, I will become a more beautiful human being. And so when I go to the workplace where I'm a teacher, uh, I'm a nurse, uh, I'm a federal employee, I'm a you know state-level employee, I'm an IT guy, I'm a lawyer, I'm whatever. If I go with those characteristics, it makes a natural impact. And it's not about converting people. It's not about that, but it's just about the opinion that they'll have about me. And so that's why it's so important. You know, sometimes people will say, like, you know, we just got to live your life. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need to do. We need to live our life. But what kind of life are we going to live? It's yeah. that spiritual life yeah. that life where the spirit emanates into just beautiful character like our prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so i mean we we're, we're, we're moving on you know we're, yeah, today's we're another day to, that's, that's it you know it's over uh so we're just moving on and uh you know we just got to stay strong keep the faith you know keep on working with one another and um and, and allying with the people who uh you know who 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 want to serve justice and and you know and and morality and, and all that sort of good stuff that, yeah. you know, we're all part of. The bottom line, I think, is, you know, there's no reason to be down. Um, there is obviously a disappointment, but 
Which is natural, right? That's that natural. Absolutely, it's natural. It's natural. Uh, but, you know, there, there's always, again, there's a reason why this, these things happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put us in situation for a reason. And, and um, let's find out what that, that, the wisdom of that is by, by you know, going forward and, and, and making progress. Absolutely. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just makes everyone's matters easy for them. Just, uh, you know, a reminder to myself and to everyone listening, just keep your heart in the remembrance of Allah. Anchor your heart to Allah. Once the heart is anchored, no matter what happens around us, it cannot have that much of an impact on a heart that's connected to Allah. You'll always see the doer behind all these actions. And he is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has a hikmah. He tells us in the Quran that maybe you dislike something greatly, but there's good in it for you. God knows, and you and I have no clue. And so, Salim, I've put all my matters to him, and he can do with me as he pleases. I think that's a great note to close on. I'd like to thank all the listeners out there. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Sheikh Maltasa Matiya from al Medina Institute for his uh, words of wisdom today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Check our website, imanwire.com for uh, the latest articles and um, also latest news on the next podcast episode. Thank you again. Stay strong. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.